morning, good morning. I slept the whole night through. Yes, just so we can do this segment of NH Unscripted. You have found it, you lucky listener. I am your Captain Bob lookalike, Ray Dudley, host of this world-famous show, we are coming to you from the not overly ostentatious digs of the WKXL studios in Concord. You probably have found us on the radio if you're an old person like me, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, and you beautiful, blessed souls in Manchester have found us at 101.9 FM. And yeah, yeah, we got a web presence. Can you believe it? NHTalkRadio.com. There is Golden them our hills, let me tell you. In studio with me today is Michael Cobb. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Ray. Before we go too far, and I have a wealth of questions for you, I need to thank our sponsor, which is Lakes Region Fence in Guilford. Good morning, Matt, my friends up there in Guilford. If you are looking for a fence, and I'm telling you, you bet, if you think you're going to be doing one soon, you better go out there to LRFence.com, like, after this show, because my understanding is they're like six to eight weeks out. Yeah, probably already signing up people for the uh, spring segments. Yeah, as soon as they can dig, they're doing it. Go out to LRFence.com. Take a look at all of the work they do. It is spectacular. Spectacular. I mean spectacular. It's fence porn out there. Look at the pictures. Hey, and while you're out there, click on the little button that says eh, free estimate. I like free. When you're old like me, you like free. You like coupons, blah, blah, blah. You know, you get it all. They do everything. They do, of course, the regular pools. They do horse corrals. They do property lines. They do it all. Lakes Region Fence, LRFence.com, LRFence.com. We appreciate them so much. Now, Michael Cobb, Michael Cobb. You know, Michael, I was going to print out your resume, but I didn't have enough paper to do it. So I had to put it on my phone. And if you'll give me just a moment to read part of your resume, it will explain, I think, why you're here today. Michael has appeared in leading and featured roles at Tony Award-winning Trinity Rep where he was a member of the resident acting company under both Adrian Hall and Ann Bogart at the Dallas Theater Center on PBS, among many others. He has been directed by and acted opposite Academy Award and Tony alumni in large and small. Michael, is this all true? It's true. It's true. It's, it, you know, it's, it's resume talk, but it's true. What? This is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. I mean, this stuff in it, you have served as product. Production vocal coach at the Guthrie Theater, the American Repertory Theater, the Denver Center for the Performing Arts. Come on, man. Hmm. Dude, you are a wealth of information. We'll see. We'll see. Yes, we will. (laughs) Yes, we will. How are you? How are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah. I, I, and I, I want to thank you for uh, having me. Uh, you know, I listen to a lot of your programs in what? preparation. There's my one listener. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, you talk to people who are doing all kinds of great stuff, all kinds of, you know, very active here. And, uh, and you know, so I'm a little bit humbled to be Dang. in the studio in this program. Dang! Man, checks in the mail. Checks in the mail. I wanted to 
actually bring you in today for a number of reasons. I know you have something specific we want to talk about, but I wanted to talk to you because there are very few people who I think we can get into the weeds, the mechanics mm. of theater and acting. Mm. Um, and especially looking at your resume, it seems to me that there are many, many, many rabbit holes we can go down. Um, but I wanted, what is your feeling if you wouldn't mind, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but what is your feeling of the current atmosphere of talent in the New England, let's say New Hampshire area? And, and I know that's a loaded question because we have we have community theater, we have professional theater, and then we have this, I, I used the term earlier, this like stratification of, uh, of performers especially brought on by places like, I think, the the player's ring, uh, the hat box, where you've got people who are not community theater people, but they're not like equity people, but they can be getting paid, which kind of makes them professional. What are you thinking about that atmosphere of that, that I brought up, that topic? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll speak... Please. To what I can speak to. That's I'm, why I'm, you're I'm, here. <laughs> um, you know, others are probably a little bit more connected to the scene. Um, you know, um, I had a show I directed at Hatbox, and someone put that, um, you know, re- referred to the show in their bio, uh, thanking the audience for um, supporting community theater. Mm-hmm. And um, I uh, asked her, I said, listen, would you mind, since you know the bio was in reference to the show I was producing and directing, I said, would you mind if we replace the word community in this instance with local? Interesting. Interesting change. And, and huh. you know, I guess I did that because I... I don't think of what, if I'm just speak for myself, I don't think of what I do as community theater. And actually, I do think about this a lot from my standpoint. Um, Since I moved to New Hampshire, I've uh, had the opportunity to direct in a community theater and a context and also to act in some of these – middle ground, you know, between community and professional theaters. And from the experience working in a strictly community theater context, you know, it really caused me to think, okay, what's different about a community theater priority, a community theater orientation, and the orientation that I come with? And um, so, you know... um, Anyway, I think about that a lot, and also because, um, you know, you mentioned community, th- professional, and what's in the middle. I've seen, I personally have seen very little, actually, professional theater here in myself, yep. you know, gone yep. in New Hampshire. Um, I tend to see the stuff in between. Uh, I don't know if I'm just By ra- choice? Um, I mean, why do you not, like, go to, like, the weather vane or... or- um, well, I uh, while I I got into the theater as a very very or, or got first interested with um, you know musicals and uh, that kind of material, um, 
and I don't even really, I don't know what the weathering does, so I don't, oh, you know. So um, they're professional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, that I tend to um, gravitate towards different material than a lot of the professional theaters do here in New Hampshire. I was thinking, and the reason I even brought it up, because the this middle stratification, if I'm correct, it's a fairly new phenomenon because for years it was just community theater, you know, mm-hmm. where anybody could do it. It was like a bowling night, you know, mm. a, a softball league, and yeah. you didn't have to have any real talent. You just yeah. joined the group, and, and they gave you a role, and you never even bothered to try to get better. You just, you know, were you just did what you did, and, and you didn't really care be, because it's just like bowling. You. You don't really try to get better, but you show up on Friday nights, have a few beers, you bowl with the boys, and yeah. you know you go on with your life. And so all of a sudden, I think we- that's a great way to put at least my perception. I mean, that's not the way I phrase it to myself, but my perception of since I don't think of myself as a community theater artist or participant to look and say, "Huh, you know, what is?" Uh, that there's there's certain priorities, yeah, you know, and yeah. uh, and some of them um, would be less of my priorities, and some of them would be common priorities in terms of you know community, mm-hmm. you know. But anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you. So. You did not interrupt at all, yeah. and and I'm I'm bringing this up because I think I think with the advent of theaters like the Players Ring and the Hatbox, we now have this. Um, this layer of, and, and a welcome layer of people who are good, they may never ever hit Broadway. They may never ever be equity. They may never ever have like a professional license, but they're above the quality of community theater. They actually work at their craft. They, they strive to, to actually bring excellent theater. Not the community doesn't, but they're kind of capped by what, the, by what whoever auditions and mm-hmm. and if it's generally community, um, it can tend to not be that. Good. Do you hear that music, Michael? I do. Huh? Do you know what that means? Oh, <laughs> it's time to put on our tap dance shoes and tap into a break because we gotta pay some bills. Oh, Michael, we have so much to talk about. Oh, this is NH Unscripted. I am your host, Ray Dudley. In studio with me today is Michael Cobb, and we are going, I promise you, to dissect this topic. We are coming to you from the palatial digs of the WKXL Studios in Concrete, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, 101.9 FM in Concord. NHTalkRadio.com is our URL for all you young punks. We're going to be right back. Woo! Baby! is Jasper, Gramps, the little man, and Mr. Bowie, too. You know what I'm talking about. You are listening to NH Unscripted. I, again, am your Captain Bob lookalike host, Ray Dudley. We are coming to you from the uh, 
Yeah, spotlight conditions of the WKXL studios deep within the bunkers in Concord, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM. Those are both Concord and 101.9 FM for you blessed souls in Manchester. For archives of this show, to hear us live, and for archives of all the other gold here at the WKXL studios, you can head on over to nhtalkradio.com after, after Michael and I have our discussion today. Michael and I are talking about what I consider to be a type of stratification of talent in New Hampshire. That just I guess it's got to be everywhere by nowadays. But, um, Michael, I, I bring it up because I know you love to teach. I know you do. And you specifically have um, a certain type, is that correct, of, of teaching what you do? I mean, there's like the, the, I don't know, what is it, Maslow? What the, I don't know them. <laughs> I have no idea because I don't do it. But... Um, I wanted to ask you, where, who, who are your classes for? What are they? And let's get into why. Why do they even exist? What, what niche do you think th- your classes fill? Take it away. Yeah. Um, well, you said something in the last segment about getting better. And um, yes. I guess for me, that's, that's the thread for me personally as well. I mean, I – my whole history of training, uh, you know, going to training myself was I s- fell in love with the actors in the movies that I saw when I was a kid. And uh, I acted and I said, hey, I'm not as good as they are. I'd like to be better. And so that was my reason for training and going to school so that I could um, be better and actually at that point it was well I'll you know I'll get great I'll be a movie star I'll make a million dollars and then I'll figure out what else like all of us yes (laughs) and uh, then somewhere along the line I uh, actually it was uh, when I was in the acting conservatory all of a sudden I got more interested in the thing I was doing than you know some sort of big financial end Mm. that it would get me and that's, uh, that's kind of where I've been at ever since. And I feel like uh, so often, you know, we can all be very idealistic as theater people, and I, I'm one of those, and uh, that so often things could be better. You know, I, I, I would love to be able to go to a show every time I go, and whatever that show was, you know, built to be able to achieve in its best form to walk out of the door and say, wow, yeah. you know, that's what happened. And so yeah. um, that's, and so my goal is to be able to do that myself and as a performer and um, creator, producer, director. And then also um, since I do have, and I guess since I did get so invested in, you use the word mechanics, okay. which I kind of like, um, it's not fashionable, I think, these days, but I, I like Dang it. it. <laughs> Dang it. Um, since I did get so interested in that, I think that's what led me to teaching. And you asked me about uh, what do I teach. It's kind of funny. Um, I was on a Zoom conference call last night with one particular vocal technique that I studied and got certified in. And, you know, all my life I've kind of kind of braced back at, 
the idea of being, well, I'm a this teacher mm. or I'm a that teacher. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Even though sometimes you have to, sometimes that's the way you get the job, you know. And, Wait, and can I ask you something about sure. that? Is that because you were afraid of getting pigeonholed or is that because you wanted to stay humble and not necessarily, <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously. No, it's the opposite, <laughs> actually. <laughs> opposite of humble, sorry, Ray. Okay. Um, is that, you know, after doing it for a while, it's like, okay, I'm not interested in the rest of my life being an acolyte. You know, I mean, you know, I, I try to give myself a little more credit that, and besides that, you know, when you get things from one area and then another area, and then it's like, well, am I supposed to choose one over the other? Or can I use my own sensibility and brain and see what works and, uh, and go from there? And, and um, in relation to that, um, in terms of myself thinking of myself as an actor, you know, I wouldn't want to think of myself as, well, I'm a this actor, yeah, or I'm a that actor, you know. Um, and that, that's not to say that there aren't things I've taken from my training that um, are things that I use consistently, you know, as an actor, and that I bring to my teaching. But I don't kind of, I mean, I could give them names. But uh, so I'm almost like glad they don't have names. Or Stanislavski school of. I mean, if you want to tell me what, if you want me to tell you what my main orientation is, I will. Though I'm not, you know. <laughs> I don't want to drag it say, out of you. But. I can say, <laughs> no, I'm not. I didn't. My training. I'll put it this way. My training was not method actor training. Um, most training for a long time in my lifetime was obviously Stanislavski based. Um, and actually um, two of uh, some theater history, two of the influences on my training were both from, um, uh, you know, this is it's such, I feel kind of corny like bringing it up, but this is uh, from- You're on the, NH Unscripted. We don't get much more corny okay, than this. Okay. <laughs> From the group theater, yeah. um, which was a famous theater group in uh, the 30s, et cetera, which basically led to much of what happened in, you know, even in Hollywood and stuff. You know, that's very broad brush. But um, there were two different uh, – and what happened with the group theater was a lot of the members of the group theater um, – I think the history of it is that they got wind of the Stanislavski stuff. They had one or two Stanislavski teachers come in and give them some coaching or whatever in their rehearsals or whatever. And I think one of them, Stella Adler, even went to Moscow. And then uh, so a number of the members of the group theater, they became the main teachers of American actors. Um, and, uh, you know, some people know this. It's so, you know. They know it so much that it's like, okay, okay. But um, that that's the history of it. And it so happened that in my training, I had two kind of competing acting classes. And they were both for each from different members of the group theater. And so they actually kind of complemented one another. And so I took, I took my, uh, whoops, I took my, um, those are the things I really latched onto, among other things after that. But if you want to talk strict acting technique, then that would be uh, my story. So what – are you saying that you you learn the various – some different – it's kind of like um, – oh, forgive me for putting it on this level. But like martial arts where you might learn jiu-jitsu, you might learn, um, I don't know, karate, whatever. Um, 
And then you take the best of each of those and, and you've kind of combined them yourself? Is that what you're saying you've done? Well, I guess um, that refers to what I just said about complementing mm-hmm. one another. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, one of them was, uh, again, <laughs> I, almost, I almost get you know, embarrassed to bring these names what? up because I don't like it when people throw names what? around, but you're asking. I am, I am indeed. <laughs> and so, uh, who else you know, is going to throw the, a name around if you don't? One of the, <laughs> I can't. One of the, one of the teachers whose technique I, whatever, latched onto some of it was Sanford Meisner. And, uh, the teacher I had still has a studio in New York. Um, and, uh, a lot of that was about being able to really, um, be in the moment and really talk and listen to the person in front of you. Um, I just heard an interview with Barbara Streisand on uh, on uh, Fresh me. Air, on Fresh Air, <laughs> and she was talking about the importance, even uh, you know, in a long run, and totally in the long run, of being able to be there, you know, yeah. every moment, rather than putting so, it on autopilot, or right, something. or yeah, phoning yeah, yeah. it in, yeah, and uh, yeah, I remember also, I can't remember the name of this actor. There's a great book called The Season by William Goldman, and this uh, gentleman, same guy who wrote Princess Bride, I think, and he took a whole Broadway season, and he he just visited shows, he explored the season from all different angles, and and uh, one of the actors, this guy used to be on a television show, but he said in a long run that when he knew it was time to hand it over to somebody else is when he was thinking of his shopping list. Oh, <laughs> very good, yeah. <laughs> while, he was, while he was in performance. And also, at, least he's honest. at this time, uh, in, this, uh, in this book too, this, he said the, the best Broadway actor at that time, he thought, for this sort of thing was Robert Preston. From what, uh, the, music the Music Man, man. yeah, seriously, yeah. as a stage actor, yeah, wow. for a long run. Wow, hang on to that thought. Oh, we got the music, Michael. I'm gonna give you some white jazz gloves so we can shake a little jazz hands going out to make some more money because we gotta pay bills, folks. In the meantime, hey, why don't we have some spam? I'll open up a can. We can heat it up on the stove up there. You are listening to NH Unscripted. I am your happy-to-be-out-of-bed host, Ray Dudley. 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord. 101.9 FM in Manchester. And nhtalkradio.com is the URL for you youngins. We'll be back. Thinking going on around here. I am Ray Dudley, the host of NH Unscripted. You lucky listeners are getting to hear us. We are on Wednesdays and Friday mornings, 9 a.m. Perfect for your drive time. We are coming to you from the bunkers of the WKXL studios in Concord, 1450 a.m., 103.9 FM, 101.9 FM in Manchester. And for those of you who don't even know what a radio is or what AM, FM is, you can find us live out at nhtalkradio.com. Get it? Yeah. We're in the 21st century. Yeah, I may be old, but I'm there. In studio with me. And the time is ticking away, Michael. Is Michael Cobb. I have, um, I've been waiting for this for so long. Michael, go ahead. You wanted to say something about the other side of the complimentary 
Oh, I just, you know, since Fire we, away, because I'm yeah. going to just go through your resume here and tick things oh, off and say, goodness. what in the world's going on with that? What's going on with that, Michael? Fire okay. Um, <laughs> the other side of the complimentary was um, a gentleman by the name of Bobby Lewis. And Bobby Lewis used to actually rent out, like, I don't know if he even rented out or they just gave it to him when the Stanislavski thing was really kind of bubbling in New York. He would... Uh, give lectures in like Broadway theaters and all the theater community would come or those who were interested and, uh, you know, hear what he had to say about uh, Stanislavski and such. And I think Bobby Lewis was actually one of the co-founders of the Actors Theater. I, I think Strasburg wasn't even one of the founders. I'm not positive of that, but uh, I'm pretty sure Bobby Lewis was one of the uh, one of the founders. He was Meryl Streep's teacher at Yale, blah, 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 that sort of stuff. Really? Yeah. Can you, can you give me a brief uh, definition of the Stanislavski method? Um, Or, so so people get an idea, when we throw the name out there, what does it even mean? Why why would an actor care? Wow. Um, Why would an actor care? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I mean, this is a big, big question because um, you have to kind of think. Well, what That's was? That's what I dropped. What was, I dropped the big question. What, what, what he did, what he did, was um, kind of what we're talking about. Well, I'd like to be better. How can I be better? So, at least as he tells it, he went around and watched people who were doing really great work, and he would try and talk to them, try and see what they were doing, and. Um, it usually gets associated with uh, the importance of an interior life aspect as opposed to uh, something that's more demonstrative, um, that's really oversimplifying things. But, uh, and then he changed throughout his life. Um, uh, there's a dramatic point where, you know, at least in the apocryphal is that all of a sudden he was like, no, I'm not going to talk about interior life. Now we're just going to use the physical to uh, to get get the thing going, and you know, I just use that word, the thing. Mm. When I teach, um, you know, when it comes down to it, you could just say, "Well, what are we trying? What are we looking for? The thing. We're looking for the thing. The thing that makes it work. The thing that when you when when in the acting, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, it's happening." Um, I had the opportunity to study with uh, Richard Jenkins. I don't know if that name rings a bell, but you would recognize his face. He's been nominated for two Supporting Actor Academy Awards. And uh, in the acting class we had with him, he talked, he, actually, he talked about Stanislavski. He asked us, he said, why are you, uh, so why are you all here? Why are you taking an acting class? And, uh, you know, we did our best to answer. And, um, and he said, well, here's why I took an acting class. And he went to Stanislavski's um, book, My Life and Art, and, uh, which is kind of an autobiography. And he pointed to it, in, and for him, he, sa- he went to a passage that talked about being able to tap into the unconscious mind in order, or inspiration, I guess mm-hmm. is what we're talking about, okay. in order to be able to bring that to your performance. And in his class, he would have people do scenes, and when he felt like it was going on, he would raise his hand so the people in the class could see, and then when it stopped going on, he would lower his hand. And, you know, so that's a, that's a little bit of a Stanislavski-ish 
nutshell. Thank you. Thank you. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I know that you are very interested in teaching. So, what do you teach? Um, I know that's probably a very nebulous kind of a thing, but what, if someone, if let's say you wanted to have a class, an acting class, tell me what someone would expect to learn and why do you think they would need to learn it? Because there are a lot of people who just don't think they need to learn to act. They think it's a matter of just regurgitating the script and adding some choreography. Mm -hmm. You know, I walk over to the couch, I sit down, I say this line, yeah. and that's acting to them. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess first thing I'll say is if it's good, it's good. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, well, uh, I get it. If, it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you could say. Yep. Um, but a lot of it is broke. I mean, there depending, are. <laughs> depending on, depending on, you know, yeah, what you're looking for, right? There are, Either as say, the artist or as the audience. There are a lot fewer great uh, acting performances than there are. Uh, yes. Yeah. Terrible. Well, just like anything else, right? <laughs> right, right, right. right. Um, um, one thing that I'm, I actually recently, this kind of dawned on me that I was kind of proud of, I am proud of, is that um, I've had the opportunity to really kind of um, hit some marks in pure acting training. I'm talking about as a performer and in training. Also, in voice training, which includes vocal production, um, speech, including dialects, and um, also this thing that doesn't get talked about a lot, which is, can be called text, which is how to effectively deal with language. You know, language is um, a construction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, we tend to kind of take it for granted, just like we can, that people are, can just act naturally, just right. get up and you either can do it or you can't. So um, to be able to tap into that. So acting, voice, speech, and text. And also, um, I seem to have had a talent for physical work, and I've gotten hired at pretty high levels on that. So I feel like I'm able to bring all of those three things to the table. Yeah. Now, I assume you're talking specifically about acting technique. Well, it's only because that's all I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, um, at Kimball Jenkins, where um, uh, they're very kindly uh, uh, in association with my entity, True Penny Arts, uh, working to get some classes going. Um, I've taught a, um, and you know, the market is going to determine. Yeah. what one can teach, right? right? So one thing that was successful was uh, around the time when the high school kids are getting ready to audition for, um, you know, R&J productions at the high school or et cetera, they need, you know, audition help, yep, yep. right? So that, that has worked. Um, I did a series of workshops on all kinds of things. Recently, I worked to do something called Being in the Moment, which was from the, the Meisner... Um, aspect of it and you know one thing that's great about acting training too is it can be used for so many other things for presentation you know for corporate presentations for any kind of presentation mm -hmm. 
or even just uh, being in your body, you know, um, feeling good about uh, uh, interacting with other people. Um, one aspect of acting training that I'm uh, big on has to do with uh, figuring out what it is you're working to achieve and um, specifying that and committing to that. So, you know, just in life, if one felt like one wanted to be able to, uh, you know, assert oneself in situations and be specific and goal, you know, manifesting goals, that's yeah. that's another thing. So uh, I know it's a big question, so no, it it's is. kind of a broad answer. Well, it is. It is. And but I want people to understand why they need it. Why? why maybe they don't need it. Maybe they should want it. I don't even know how to describe that. Yeah. I, I but the, you you're, you offer a service which I think most people don't even understand why it exists. Right. See, and I here's what. Well, that can I can I? You can go I, ahead, go ahead quickly. Oh, it sounds like I can. Yeah, you can. Oh, well, it's it's in terms of acting too. People, I think it's specific to acting. You wouldn't say, "Why do I need to learn how to play an oboe?" Right. Right. Anyway, I'll leave you with that. Oh, a cliffhanger. A cliffhanger! And NH Unscripted. I am your host, Ray Dudley. Michael Cobb is in studio with me today. My gosh, we're running out of time. We're running out of time. We can be found 1450 AM, 103.9 FM. Those are Concord-based WKXL frequencies. 101.9 FM in Manchester. NHTalkRadio.com. I gotta peel this guy apart here. We'll be right back. Jumping Jahassah Fat! We are still going at it! You have found NH Unscripted. I am your host, Ray Dudley. We are coming to you from the Icelandic conditions of the WKXL Studios in Concord. 1450 AM, 103.9 FM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are radio frequencies. 101.9 FM in Manchester. For all of you who don't know what a radio is, go out and find an old movie and just watch it. Otherwise, we can be found at nhtalkradio.com. Michael Cobb is in the studio with me. I am flabber. I just don't even know where to begin the questions. But, Michael, before we get too far into a lot of other things and we're running out of time, please give me a website address and where people can find you and some of the services you would offer to them, if you wouldn't mind. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, so uh, the website would be truepennyarts.com. Um, and uh, yeah, truepenny being a term from um, Hamlet, when Hamlet is referring to his father's ghost. And he says, ha, art thou there, truepenny? And uh, oh. that word always sort of caught my attention. And uh, it means a trustworthy, honest fellow. And uh, I guess sort of along the lines of what we've been talking about before, that if I'm going to produce and if I'm going to teach, I want people to feel secure that they're going to get something valuable from the experience. Because mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, in terms of acting classes and even going to shows, sometimes the reason people don't get involved is because they think, 
well, you know, I'm not really going to get anything out of it. Or, you know, sometimes acting classes can just be the uh, the teacher basically directing, you know, the students yeah. rather than actually giving them something they can walk away with to help them um, do what they want to do better. So um, in terms of what I would have to offer um, as a teacher, that would be any kinds of coaching. I have a great deal of experience coaching uh, actors at the graduate and conservatory level, um, actors who've gone on to be on Broadway, et cetera. And um, yeah, and that could be in voice, that could be in acting, that could be in physical work. And you know, obviously when you're up there doing the work, you can't really separate the three, mm. right? Yeah, they're all, they're all together. And then also uh, True Penny is also a, um, I have it as my producing entity, and I've produced, uh, uh, let's see, two shows here in New Hampshire, one, uh, one um, on demand online during COVID. How did that go? Uh, Is that awkward? Well, it, well, it was quite a learning experience. Yep. Um, they offered the rights for material you know, during COVID that they wouldn't usually offer for you to do online. So there's an organization called Broadway On Demand. Oh. And that was actually linked with Dramatist Play Service, which had the rights for the show I was doing. So that's how I got onto them. And um, it was an incredible learning experience for me. Um, Is that like one big, I hate to interrupt you, I'm sorry. Is that like just one big Zoom call? I mean, it seems like that would be an awkward way to do it. No, it's recorded. Oh, it is, okay. Well, you could do it different ways, but this was on demand. It was recorded. I worked with a gentleman named Jonathan Olson, who um, runs Rolling Shutter Productions up in New Hampton, where I live as well. And um, it was a play called The Good Thief by Connor McPherson, which um, I love and actually would like to do live potentially here soon. Um, it's about an hour long, just one character, an Irish thug who uh, kind of comes to a realization about uh, uh, the, uh, where his path is leading him. And the single it's, person it's play, effect, it? It's effect mm-hmm. on other people. Yep, yep, yep. And um, Have you pitched it? Uh, I pitched it actually. You're talking about the hat box? Yeah. Yeah, I pitched it when I first came here, and it didn't get picked up. So, uh, But uh, I can understand why. Nobody knew me. And uh, there are some uh, aspects of the material. It's adult material yep. in some places, definitely. But, um, yeah, and then uh, also I'm interested in the possibility of uh, – since COVID, I've thought doing things outdoors it would be a very great idea, and I have a lot of um, a lot of experience training and coaching in classical work, and I think that gets a bad name, mm-hmm. or it kind of gets slotted off to the side or kind of a niche thing. And my goal would be to find um, classics that uh, a broad range of people could find entertaining and enjoyable and worthwhile and to be able to bring those to an audience in uh, in the Lakes region, maybe Tilton, maybe Plymouth. Um, anyway, that's something I dream of getting going this summer, even if just in a, you know, a, a beginning phase. What would you put under that umbrella of classic? Uh, well, that's a great question. And I, my reference would be to uh, what one would usually think in terms of actually text work. Sometimes they'll bring it all the way up to like Shaw or and in, in what you're starting to get 
be talking about is something that people refer to as quote unquote heightened text, mm. which could be um, verse, you know, Shakespeare verse or Moliere verse, or even Shaw. It's very rhetorical. So to be able to find a way to build the arguments that are in the text and be persuasive. That's basically uh, a lot of what his work is like. And then people will talk about Tony Kushner or any, you know, mm. even current playwrights who whose language is rich. And um, Would you put Mamet in that? Well, you know, um, he isn't usually, but obviously his language is extremely idiosyncratic. Right, right. Yeah. You know, I have to say. I have to say, and I've, I've been a big Mammoth fan in my life, I have to say, I feel like Al Pacino totally nailed it in Glengarry Glen Ross, I love the that. movie. Yes, yes, yes. I feel like he really nailed the use of the language. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what, that's a great study. In, yeah. Man, I could watch that movie over and over. And more, I don't know why more people don't do the play. I don't know if they're afraid of it or, yeah. you know, the— I saw that on Broadway. You did? Yeah, with Joe Montaigne. Was, really? Uh, yeah, was— uh, Al Pacino's part, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Was it electrifying? I imagine. Because it, it is very different than the movie, right? Yeah, it, uh, product, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very yeah, different. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to leave it there? Yeah, It's yeah. interesting. <laughs> all right, all right, yeah. all right. So have you seen anything lately that that has um, pleased your your palate uh, theatrically-wise in the community? Or, or are you like, no, really, I'm... <laughs> We are in sore need of some decent talent. Um, in terms of uh, live theater, yeah. Yeah. I saw um, a production of A Little Night Music. Where is that? At, um, oh, it's, uh, oh, goodness gracious. Is it Gloucester Stage in um, Massachusetts? You went, went to yeah. Massachusetts to I see went a to play? Massa- well, I went to see A Little Night Music because I've always loved that musical. Oh, my God. And it was I was on the edge of my seat and weeping the whole time. What? That's just... Uh, really? You know, so, I, I mean, that's an indication of how much, how invested I am when things wow. are going well. Wow. Yeah. And uh, this isn't... I know you're, you're asking local theater, but no, just for... Uh, a sense of my taste, my realize my favorite actor these days is Jesse Plemons. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, do you know Jesse Plemons? The movie, the TV uh, actor, the, the movie actor. Yeah, I thought he was TV. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he is TV too. Okay. Um, he was just. I just last. I just saw him was in Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, I and he's seen the it yet. FBI. Yes, the main I know. FBI yeah, agent. yeah, yeah. He reminds me a him. lot of um, looks wise. He reminds me a lot of. Uh, he passed away a couple of years. Philip Seymour Hoffman? Yes. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. that same build. Yeah. And then, uh, have you seen Dumb Money yet? No. Oh, I love Dumb Money. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. And my, that's my new favorite director, too, Craig what? Gillespie. And he also did I, Tanya, which Margot Robbie's in. She plays Tanya Harding. And I also love that. Sorry, we got into movies. No, but. it's okay. I, it's okay. It's all about acting, right? The whole thing is, is about I would not have pictured you as a musical lover. Forgive me. Well, I started, that's how I first got interested in the theater. My mother had her um, original cast recording albums, and I would listen to them. And, of course, you know, West Side Story. You know, I I realized driving here that I was actually King Arthur when I was in elementary school. Well, in my mind, (laughs) 
right? <laughs> from Camelot, right? And then I've had I would, a few of those trips myself. <laughs> right? And then uh, I would run around the house doing the Jet song, you know, yes. it's a West Side Story. And actually, I just read Ricky Lee Jones' autobiography, and she says in there that she met Tom Waits. <gasps> outside of like a club and they were like all starting to sing the jet song from West Side Story. Tom Waits? Yeah. Yeah. Who the figured? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Michael. So many things to think about. So many things to say. Thank you for coming in today. Thank you, Ray. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Uh, You have been listening to NH Unscripted. I am your fulfilled host, Ray Dudley. We are coming to you from the digs of WKXL Studio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM for all you happy, happy, happy people in Manchester. You can also find us, our archives, as well as there's a live button out there at nhtalkradio.com. I'm going to see you on the next one. Thank you, Michael.